guys. Welcome to Rankin Vile, the podcast ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Lillian. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going good. I started my volunteering at the public library. Um, yes. And I did not realize that everyone at my public library knows who I am. <laughs> Not as, like, local celebrity Quincy, but as guy who comes to the library every week. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows who I am already. So for you to actually, like, walk around the other side of the counter, I'm sure that it was like, ah, the forbidden door. Like, this was, this was, <laughs> this was always going to happen. It was just a yeah, matter of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, working in the library, I feel like, um, obviously, you know, Christina um, has worked as a librarian for a while. I feel like... Um, librarians, I tend to think of the same way I think of, like, Waffle House waitresses, where it's like, they have seen the weirdest possible shit in their, in their, uh, tenure at this place. Oh, yeah, it's, it's braver than any U.S. Marine. I, hats off. Yeah, my, my buddy Courtney works as a librarian, and apparently, uh, one of the patrons, uh, printed off about three dozen of his own nudes on the library printer. Um, and they had to ask him not to do that. Which, you know, God bless him for trying. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the analog uh, element of that, where it's like, no, no, this is full lo-fi nudes. Like, I'm not, <laughs> fuck, fuck DMing this shit. I'm going to give somebody an unsolicited picture of my naked body, just, you know, from person to person. Like, we've, you know, modern in modern culture, we've really lost sight of the person-to-person connection of making people horrifically uncomfortable. Um, what uh, ghoul shit have you been uh, consuming in the last week? So I actually checked out a movie that was emailed to us by uh, the director, uh, Buzzcut, by Martin Renner. Oh, hell yes. So this is um, a uh, an indie horror movie. Like, what's the, how, 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 uh, what was the deal with it? So it's Buzzcut as in, like, Buzz haircut, but it's also about an apiarist who's also a killer. With a chainsaw. Fuck yeah. So it is a chainsaw, at least. Yeah, it's a chainsaw, but it's also the guys in a beekeeper costume. I not, think... not costume, uniform. <laughs> I'm sorry, my theater kid background <laughs> is coming through. No, it's true, actually. You have to have the right, the right costume to be a beekeeper. Honestly, it makes me wonder, like, did the inventor of the chainsaw um, initially just go like, oh man, this is going to be an iconic as fuck horror weapon at some point? Like... They, you know, they were like, well, I need an efficient way to get through this tree, but also, goddamn, I just have this feeling like somebody in 1974 is going to make a movie that's just going to change everything. <laughs> it's, yeah. It was, Buzzcut was especially refreshing because I watched it right after watching the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was like, at least somebody is making a chainsaw movie that is not utter dog shit yeah and honestly i i indie horror movies uh, that generally i think what the the premise of the thing is that it's like a combination uh runner group that is also a drinking group yeah it's a it's a running group with a it's a drinking group with a running problem is what they, they call it in the actual film excellent i i love this because i'm like I don't know. As somebody who um, does run regularly and actually just quit drinking, the thought of doing those things uh, concurrently, I'm already throwing up at <laughs> the prospect of downing a bunch of booze and then sloshing it around uh, on, a, on a run. Like, that's braver than any U.S. Marine, honestly. That is 
one of my favorite awful phrases, and I keep thinking we should stop <laughs> saying it. Listen, when people stop being braver than any U.S. Marine, we'll stop. <laughs> we'll stop saying that. It's just it's that's just a that's just a true thing. Um, the ghoul shit that I've been ensconced in is um, so I'm an embarrassingly big fan of the band Ghost. Um, which a lot of listeners are probably uh, familiar with, and it's basically what if ABBA was a metal band and fronted by a satanic anti-pope? Um, and I feel like I'd always, you know, like, I don't know, like, this is sort of the album that I'd been waiting for them to drop, where it's like, they kind of take dial everything to 11 and take it as far as it's gonna go. Um, there is so much fucking ghost lore, like, behind the... Like, there's, like, a wiki for this. Like, uh, uh, Papa Emeritus, who's the evil pope, like, I don't know. I appreciate any band this uh, comprehensively on their bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've really committed to the gimmick in a way that not many bands will do anymore. Yeah, and honestly, it kind of makes me... It makes me a little sad that um, Ghost kind of missed the bus on getting to have a proper satanic panic around what they're doing, because, like, back in the 70s, all you had to do was be the band Kiss, and just a member of your band is uh, the Space Ace, and our drummer's name is Peter, and he's wearing cat makeup, and everybody lost their goddamn minds in the 70s. Like, they're clearly (laughs) satanic! And it's like, yes, you can tell from their songs like Strutter and Cold Gen. Boy, they're really (laughs) carrying water for fucking Mephistopheles. And then you've got the band Ghost, which, uh, Quincy, are you familiar with the restaurant Kuma's Corner? No. What is this? Oh, boy. Uh, So in uh, Chicago, there is a um, heavy metal themed uh, sit down restaurant called Kuma's Corner. Um, and they've got uh, sort of signature burgers named after metal bands. Like, they've got the Slayer Burger that has, like, it's super spicy. And, you know, they've got a thing that apparently got protested by a local church, which is the Ghost Burger, which is um, braised goat shoulder, a red wine reduction, and also one communion wafer in the middle <laughs> of the burger. <laughs> um and also ghost peppers, obviously, because how could they not? Um, but I just, I, yeah, that's that's what it is. Is like I appreciate any band uh, just very cheerfully making Satanism front and center on the thing, and also all of the just catchy, catchy hooks. It's a fun time. Um, I love um, that. Reminds me, I just rewatched Lady Bird and the scene where they're uh, hanging out and just eating from the bucket of unconsecrated communion wafers. <laughs> I, yeah, just great. I've always fistfuls. dreamt of doing that. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing with communion wafers is I hadn't realized like until they're consecrated, it's literally just it's it's some wafers. Like they yeah, don't... It, they're just crackers. Uh, and now I'm getting on Amazon and seeing if I could just order them for a snack. <laughs> Handing them out to trick-or-treaters, like, you know, <laughs> I know that you're into, you know, Smarties and M&Ms, but what if there's an even sweeter treat, which is the love of our Lord Jesus Christ? Here you go. Here's a, here's a, yeah. Crack. Not only can you buy communion wafers on Amazon, you can buy the uh, little pre-filled communion cups that have, like, <laughs> the wafer and the um, grape juice in the same container. I don't know why I imagined that like I'm... a like a Christ Jello shot. <laughs> <coughs> oh my god! I don't know why I imagined like what is the conveyance I would have for communion wafers like to store and serve them, and then immediately unbidden to my mind jumped oh pest dispenser. 
right? <laughs> like you would just want to have maybe like an Easter bunny Pez dispenser and you just, you know, they, they slide out and it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So, folks, if you haven't listened to Impera by Ghost, I'm, listen, it's a great time. I can't, I can't uh, put it over enough. Um, let's get into the movie we're doing this week. Yeah, um, speaking of great times, let's talk about Scream. Oh, buddy, this, yeah, yeah, like, this is, so we're doing uh, Scream, uh, the the recent one from uh, 2022, uh, or I could have just said this year, if uh, and uh, or Scream Five because it's the the fifth one in the series. Quincy, what were you expecting going into this? I had very low expectations. Um, <laughs> I missed four. I didn't watch Scream Four, mm-hmm. uh, so and I knew that like that was impressive, and I knew that this was a um, requel, as they term it in the actual film, right? Um, but after just finishing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I had extremely low expectations, but I was pleasantly surprised. Honestly, yeah. Like, this is... Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Scream 4, like, you're you're fine. Uh, Scream 4... <laughs> uh, I think Scream, Scream 4 is probably my least favorite of the franchise. Yes, it's worse than Scream 3 to me. Um, just largely because, like, Scream 3 is not a good movie, but... It's so much fun to me in the way that, like, you've got Parker Posey, you've got Patrick Warburton in the mix, um, you've got Creed left, right, and center in that fucking soundtrack. It's a, it's a fun time. Uh, and Scream 4 um, was, you know, because Scream 3 didn't have Kevin Williamson, the, the the writer of Screams 1 and 2. And so Scream 4 was like, ah, Wes is back together with Kevin Williamson. And the problem is that Kevin Williamson turned into everyone's boomer dad for Scream 4. <laughs> um, where he's just like, ah, these kids, all they want is their their vines and their YouTubes, and they, you know, all want to go viral, and it's just a lot of it is really, really um, cringe, as the as the kids say, as Kevin Williamson would, would be very upset at the kids for saying. Uh, and so, Scream Five, this takes place uh, post Scream Four, so it is kind of incredible to me that all of these movies are actually canonically one after the other, which I feel like you don't actually see that a lot in horror movies. No, it, it's really, um, it's definitely beaten um, Halloween with their 20 years later. No, actually, <laughs> this one is the the later one. Yeah, which actually drives me a little bit bananas that, um, because... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who obviously, uh, you know, living legend, national treasure. We all love Jamie Lee Curtis. It was the wildest thing in the world to me that during the press junket for Halloween 2018, you know, she was like, oh, you know, like this is, you know, I think the first time that, you know, a horror sequel has really examined the fallout for the final girl and seen what, you know, her life might look like after that movie. And it's like, Jamie, you were in Halloween H2O playing the same character. It was literally, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, which by the way, Halloween H2O, not as bad as you would, as, as you probably remember it. It's actually... Also has Buster Rhymes in it. Oh no, that's, that's, that's Resurrection. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, how, wait, how, how wait a you? minute. I don't think I know which one is H2O then. It's, it doesn't matter. Side note, why the fuck H2O, like I get Halloween 20 years later, water reference? Like why H2O? I don't... I don't know why that was. Anyway, I'm 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 uh, chewing my own cut here. Uh, Scream Five. So this movie, uh, it reunites the original cast uh, with the the sort of the 
um, the the core three, which is uh, Sidney Prescott, uh, Dewey Riley, and Gail Weathers. Um, and I feel like this movie actually successfully does what Scream 4 tries to do, which is, like, introduce some new characters that you're just as invested in. Yeah, um, there there are legacy characters. They're these new teens that are all the children of the <laughs> characters from the original series. It's kind of Scream Muppet Babies. In it a is really... Scream Muppet Babies, and I love it. <laughs> so the film opens with the classic... Uh, popping popcorn in the kitchen and the landline rings, which in 2022 is actually very terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Did wait? I, I don't recall. Did the didn't the did the movie lampshade how weird it, weird it is that there is a landline here, or do they just sort of bypass it because they're like, eh, people still have landlines probably. Well, she does text like, "OMG, some creep is calling the landline." But it's right. it's not as weird as it actually. They don't treat it as strange as it actually is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the the person who is getting um, who's basically playing the role of um, Casey Becker from the opening of the first Scream movie, uh, her name is Tara. Um, a thing that I really appreciate appreciate about the casting of uh, Tara is that uh, it's uh, this actor uh, Jenna Ortega, and she looks like a kid. Yes, she was in uh, the Netflix Richie Rich series. <laughs> Say what? There yeah, was a- she is Darcy from Richie Rich. Uh, I know this because my son is really into <laughs> Richie Rich. <laughs> I had not realized that there was a Richie Rich um, Netflix series. Uh, I just finished uh, Bad Vegan on Netflix, so I need I needed something I needed something else to get into, and annoy my partners with so thank you thank you for that um it's yeah she, there's a she's there's great a plot line in uh the richie rich show where he owns whales because he's rich <laughs> and has an aquarium i mean it's and the whales like haunt him also um he has a robot butler which i don't know if that's part of the comic strips but is uh very weird <laughs> <laughs> that does sweeten the pot considerably for me that that he has a robot butler. Honestly, what I really want is for Riverdale to be like to pull the trigger on like everybody doing an adaptation of a th- of an old thing like Richie Rich or, or Archie or something has to be balls to the wall insane now. Yes. God, I that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and and Jenna Ortega is uh, really really great as Tara. Like she brings. I I was really fucking impressed with this kid. Like she really brings the thunder in this performance. Yeah, and I really love that the screenwriters were willing to make actual <clears throat> references. Like they, they, of course, there's all the talking about stab mm-hmm. as the as the main film series. But then they're willing to say, "What's your favorite scary movie? The Babadook. It's a really good metaphor on motherhood." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like she, and I think she's, all right, my question is, was this meant to be the the script being mean to her for this, or was it just genuinely like, no, that's what the kids are into now, because he's, you know, uh, which, by the way, Roger L. Jackson returning as the voice of Ghostface, other national treasure, and he's, you know, asking what her favorite scary movie is, and then she says that, like, oh, I like The Babadook because it's elevated horror, um, and I feel like nobody watching Scream 5 is going to take the tack of I only watch horror that's elevated horror. I feel like this is meant to be a sort of, ugh, kids these days with the elevated horror. 
But what's weird is the people that are watching Elevated Horror are you and I. For sure. Uh, I mean, th- all right, this is my question, though. Like, in terms of, um, so the babies now, um, and I think we've, we've talked about this a bunch on the show, about, like, where the baby is getting, getting spooked by stuff now. Um, I don't know, because there are certain things from our childhood that we can all sort of look at and be like, oh, the large Marge scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, or such and such, like the the kill from Nightmare on Elm Street with the the getting dragged on the ceiling, where we can all kind of point to it. Do the do 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 Zoomers now have like those flashpoints in pop culture that is a, a thing for them, where they're like, oh yeah, we were all scared shitless by fill in the blank thing growing up. I honestly don't know. I feel so <laughs> old and out of touch, mm-hmm. but I feel like there is so much media. In a way that when we grew up, there was a limit, so mm-hmm. you kind of had to watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure because it was the only thing. It was on ABC, and there wasn't a movie playing on the other <laughs> channels, like that kind yeah. of that kind of thing. Or like that's a great point. The amount of times RoboCop was just on basic cable, mm-hmm. it was like ubiquitous. I think with streaming media, there's so much. Mm-hmm. That I don't know if this generation of kids is going to have the same like unified viewing experience. That's a really really good point because yeah, growing up, I think you know we could all be like, oh boy, the cover of Hellraiser on VHS scared me at my local Video Shack when I or like Dead Alive or something. Where now, I mean, you couldn't find any random thing on Netflix that probably features really crazy kills on screen. I yeah, I don't know. I so her being into the Babadook to me is like. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll buy that. Like, I it's it's to me such a Kevin Williamson thing. I watched a lot of Dawson's Creek. Um, to have these, you know, teens who are way into you know, sort of you know, highbrow stuff that you might not expect. And he, I don't know. He, you find out that Ghostface has cloned her friend's phone, who she's texting. Is phone cloning actually a? Th- how does that? That is real, right? I was today years old when I found out that phone cloning was a thing and everyone in this movie talks about it like it's totally normal and easy to do <laughs> gotta watch out for those phone clones i mean this is uh, i do love this in you know because i'm thinking of the one there's this line reading from uh, the original scream which is they've taken billy loomis into the police station and they're like what are you doing with a cellular telephone son <laughs> it's, that's actually me at at the babies i'm like how are they cloning cell phones um but yeah, so she gets uh, the shit stabbed out of her by Ghostface. I do like a thing that I appreciate about Ghostface as a killer. I feel like Ghostface, way more than other horror villains, gets the shit kicked out of him. Oh yeah, he gets his ass whipped so often. It's a wonder that by the end of the any Scream movie, Ghostface mm. isn't like limping and like <laughs> pounding Tylenol. <laughs> it's like John Wick. Like every fight scene, he's just, he's tired, man. Um, and so, you know, she gets the shit stabbed out of her, uh, which a thing that surprised me, it does not kill her. Uh, she is hospitalized. Yeah, so that's used to introduce us to Tara's sister, Sam. Yeah, who is, you know, she's kind of a cool girl. Um, we, uh, she apparently skipped town about five years back um, because we find out that um, basically, well, oof, I mean, if we're covering the movie, there's going to be spoilers. So I feel, I feel okay about spoiling stuff. 
I along I don't the li- think the spoiler of who her dad is mm-hmm. is going to ruin the movie. There are some things that I would rather not talk about, mm-hmm. but that's not one of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, she, you know, you find out, uh, in, in reference to the uh, scream Muppet babies, uh, her father is motherfucking Billy Loomis, um, and Skeet Ulrich shows up in this as like a force ghost. Yeah, it's really weird. It's almost as bad as the Star War, the newer Star Wars movies, where they're forcing like Peter Cushing and um, <laughs> and Carrie Fisher into them. Mm-hmm. Except I think Skeet Ulrich is alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very much alive. But is he though? Yeah, he is alive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I actually, I'm a little bit on the fence about how I feel about that. So what what it is, it's that she, Sam, um, skipped town after she broke up her parents' marriage by, um, Billy Loomis is her father, and her, her dad is not her real dad, and she um, discovers this and yells at her mom about it, and then her dad hears it and then splits town, and she feels guilty, so she leaves, um... I, I like having Skeet Ulrich here, mostly because I sort of... I mean, I'm always excited to see him pop up. I am I found myself wishing that Matthew Lillard also got to be a Force ghost as Stu Mocker. I really think so, because there is a big... Stu Mocker is the other half of this. Um, they, they constantly are reminding us, don't forget Stu Mocker also exists. Yeah, well, and that's also because one of the kids, Liv, um, her uh, ex-boyfriend Vince is Stu Mocker's nephew, um, which is incredible to me. You've also got uh, a kid who is Randy Meeks's, uh, I think, is it niece? It would be? You know, yeah, yeah. Mindy and Chad, um, they uh, their mom is uh, Martha uh, Martha Meeks, who of course is played by Heather Moderato. Always happy to see her, but yeah. So it's like, all right, so they're kind of related to the originals. It's it's so great too because Heather Moderato is in a scene, and they're like, yeah, yeah, fuck off. You're not important. You're not from the first <laughs> movie. And I'm like, put some goddamn respect on Heather Moderato's name. She was in Scream Three. She's part of this. Um, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, listen. Get up off my girl. Um, but so all of these friends are trying to figure out, like, oh no, we're in a Scream movie. Um, but they're all super savvy about this because they live in Woodsboro. And I kind of assume that if you like live and go to school in Woodsboro, California, this has to be like on the syllabus, right? Yeah, and and that's the thing. That um, Mindy, uh, yeah, and that's the thing that Mindy says. She's like, you're from Woodsboro. You should know this. There's also a moment where they try to leave Woodsboro. And it's like the best moment of clarity in the entire series where they're like, you know, if we weren't in Woodsboro, we wouldn't worry about the killer in Woodsboro. Let's just leave town. That is a great point. It's like, get on a plane, motherfucker. Like, the smartest person in any of these movies is the cameraman from Scream 2, Joel, who 
you know, obviously, Gail Weathers' previous cameraman, Kenny, got his, you know, throat slit, and he got thrown off of a car. And then Joel and Scream 2, people start dying, and he just goes like, you know what? I don't know what the fuck is going on with you people. You need therapy. I'm skipping town until all of the murdering stops. <laughs> and then he totally just does, and then comes back at the very end, like, all right, great, what I miss? Give me that camera. Um, just the, the fucking greatest. Uh, but, I mean, all these kids... All right. Quincy, can I express a beef to you about the use of the stab movies in these? Please. They cannot fucking decide what the stab movies are supposed to be. Um, because in, you know, in, in the series, in Scream 2, you've got like, oh, stab, based on the Woodsboro murders by Gail Weathers. By the time we get to this movie, you know, in Scream 4, they're like, oh, we, you know, had the one with time travel. And they sort of do the thing of like, haha, horror sequels do go on too long. They they don't actually mirror what goes on in the movies themselves. They're kind of not anything. Yeah, because and like that's part of the joke because Stab Eight. There's a there's a very scathing YouTube review. Um, I think we should uh, put on our vision boards uh, the scream to be in Scream Six as like. <laughs> completely podcasters talking about movie <laughs> oh yeah which by the way i i do love that there is a cameo in here um in this movie uh, with uh james and uh james a janice and uh chelsea from the dead meat podcast and youtube videos um they i just i love the dead meat videos and i was very pleased for them that they got to have a cameo in this uh as a, a sort of talking head segment on a on a laptop and so the kids basically um we we, we get another kid who is this the kid who is yeah, this is so. This is Stu's nephew Vince, who's just like a a dirtbag piece of shit. Um, yeah, it's the worst. And he just this is the funniest death in the movie to me because he's like outside a bar taking a piss, and there's a car that rolls up, and it's like bumping "Red Right Hand" by Nick Cave, which is like the unofficial theme of these these movies. Um, and he can't quite say anything because of the headlights, and he just gets stabbed so quickly in the neck, like, bloop, and then he's dead. Like, yeah, and no more. Uh, yep. It's great. Yep, done here. I will also say, not a lot of jokes in Scream 5. No, um, surprisingly played pretty uh, pretty straight. Yeah, like there's, um, I don't know, like I kept looking out for the jokes, but it's even like the comedic uh, relief character, like the perennial comedic relief character Dewey, uh, played, of course, by the immortal David Ar- uh, Deathmatch wrestler David Arquette. <laughs> Um, listen, on this podcast, we, we, we love and support David Arquette. Um, and so, uh, Sam and, uh, another character, Richie, they, they go and try to, so they visit Dewey, who is kind of, he's living rough, he's on his own and drinking too much and, you know, living in a trailer, which by the way, I kind of hate as a shorthand for this person's life is falling apart. Yeah, it's a little classist in a, in a way. That like if if you live in a trailer and you are drinking, your life has fallen apart. Yeah, and it's so. I mean, that, that's not ideal. Dewey um, has split up from. Um, I almost just said Courtney Cox, uh, which is also true. They were David Arquette and Courtney Cox were married in real life. Um, but so he got divorced from Gail because uh, she. They went to New York City together uh, for her career. And he was a small town boy and kind of couldn't hack it, so he split and they divorced, and he is still completely in love with her. Oh yeah, and it's it's also got to be tough to be 
Dewey Cox the sheriff and to not win that re-election. <laughs> oh yeah, like that's I mean, wait, did he did he lose the election or did he take himself out of the race? I think he took himself out of the race, but it's not that he said they asked him to retire. Uh yeah. Which, which Wait, does that do do we imagine then that he was kind of showing up to work loaded? I I think I mean, if you were a resident of Woodsboro, and I believe Dewey Cox is the sheriff in Scream Four, is he not? Oh, Dewey! <laughs> sorry, uh, Dewey, Dewey Dewey Cox is from Dewey Cox the uh, uh, Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, I'm just picturing like yeah, it's me, John C. Riley. I'm the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oops. no. Although you Nobody's know, nerfed. You know, you listen, Dewey Cox and Dewey Riley. Actually, there's significant <laughs> overlap there. I think um, um, the sheriff now is uh, she was a, a deputy in Scream Four, uh, Sheriff Judy Hicks, um, whose lemon squares she was informed by Gail Weathers taste like ass, which is the only line I remember from from her. Uh, and but, there's a in in this movie there's. A note on the on her fridge that says lemon squares are in the fridge. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Oh, that's fantastic. Because yeah. um, her son is like, "Mom, are you home? Oh, good, you left me lemon squares." Yeah, she's she's actually my favorite red herring from Scream Four because I feel like in those first few movies, you know, if you wanted to figure out who the killer was, just look for the craziest pair of eyes in the movie. Um, and like Lori Lori Metcalf in Scream Two. Uh, and anyway, uh. So she is, she has a family, she's making it work, she has a kid, and these kids talk to Dewey, and I think they essentially do what the podcasters in Halloween 2018 do with Laurie Strode, where they go and try to pick her brain about all the killings. Yeah. Um, and he, what, he gives them, like, some hard and fast rules, like, never trust the love interests, uh, some other stuff? It's, he, hmm... I, I like this performance from David Arquette because he looks tired. He does. He looks like he has seen some things. And I also like that he gets an opportunity to fight Ghostface in a way that we just got done watching uh, Sally fight Leatherface in an unsatisfying way. And this way he gets a couple jabs in. And it's like, again, it reminds you that Ghostface is a, a real human being in a costume, is not a supernatural creature. Yeah, hell yeah. And actually, I feel okay about spoiling this element because it was one of the first things that I got spoiled on for the movie. Um, Dewey Cox. Dewey Cox. Fuck it, keeping it in. Uh, oh no, Dewey Cox is dead. Um, Dewey dies in this movie um which i was actually fucking scandalized because for me i'm like listen dewey riley can never die like he has gotten the shit stabbed out of him in every movie and he is always okay and he has no business being okay like he should be dead by by the time screen three rolls around and he just is not so i really do kind of feel like you know, by the by the time we get to Scream Five, death itself is like, give me the boy. <laughs> <laughs> he had to die, I think. Um, and it's yeah. really fucking upsetting. Yeah, it is because again, you've watched four and a half movies at this point of of Dewey being all right, and then you think like he'll pull through. It's it's the um 
Homer Simpson and the Luau pig. It's a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> he just had some nerve damage. He's still good. Um, and, and actually, on that note, I will say the violence in this movie fucking rips. Yeah, it is unapologetically um, gory. Yeah, and I, I mean, well, and especially because I remember, like, in one of the big things about Scream, the original in 1996, was, like, in that first scene, you've got Drew Barrymore getting fully, like, gutted, and her her, in, her intestines are, you know, hanging out. Um, and I like that these movies, like, I feel like that was kind of a watershed moment in what people were willing to show in mainstream horror movies. And this... Yeah, the the way Dewey dies is so just grueling and horrifying, but you're totally right. He, at least he gets a fucking hero's death. Yeah. And and it really is like a um it reminds me a lot of the um hospital scene in Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. Where it's just Wait, actually, wait, which which hospital scene in Terminator 2? The one with um, the box of roses. Oh, yeah. Where it's all just in slow motion and just, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Just visceral. Um, and so, uh, obviously, Sid, uh, played by uh, Nev Campbell, um, who I am permanently in love with, uh, she has a family with kids that we kind of, um, they mention it and we see her pushing a stroller, but the movie kind of pulls uh, Will Graham and Manhunter, where it's just like, yeah, she's got a family. We're not, we're not paying attention to them. Here she is, and she comes back to town. Yeah, it, it's, it's. Hey, Dewey, what's going on? Oh yeah, me and the kids. Uh, see you later. And she pretty much just pushes the baby cart down <laughs> the sidewalk and walks away. Mm-hmm. Which I honestly kind of love because I feel like if you're married to Sydney Prescott and then Ghostface murders start happening again, you've probably prepped for this conversation, right? Yeah, it's probably um, just your your regular uh, go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sydney obviously is you know she also gets to be a character in her own right that like because I feel like Scream Four this this movie does basically what Scream Four tried to do but better, which is that you know this is a movie about the mythology of the Scream movies because she comes back to town and everybody is just like. Whoa, that's the original. That's Sydney Prescott. And she herself kind of seems like, God, I really wish I wasn't that. Like, I really wish I got to have a life that wasn't defined by this. Yeah. And uh, so so the band's back together. It's Gail and Sydney trying to track down Ghostface. And then you also have Sam and Tara trying to escape Ghostface. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, the thing about... Um, the ghost face in this movie. I like that they sort of integrate the, the voice box thing where it's just like in the costume itself and it lights up when someone's doing the voice. Um, now there's a, the death in this that I think was the most unexpected that made me yell out loud in my home, uh, is Sheriff Judy, um, is in the car going to a thing and her son is at home taking a shower and Ghostface, you know, calls her and is basically like, you know, now that you're out of the house, I'm going to kill your son. And she's like, oh, shit. So she like, you know, drops a U-turn and is headed back to the house. And you think the whole time that he's going to kill this kid in the shower. And as she's uh, like running across the lawn, as she gets to the porch in broad daylight, Ghostface just fucking leaps out of a bush and stabs 
stabs her and it's just yeah I, it's so good i also noticed that ghostface is glittery has ghostface always been glittery and i've never <laughs> noticed it or is that a touch just for this movie it's like a, it's like a k-pop uh fan cam where it's just like ghostface is just super super sparkly he actually um the ghostface costume had i think little little glitters in it before kind of but Maybe the lighting in this movie is just such that it really pops on camera. But yeah, this is a glittery ghost face. Yeah, it's it's a sparkly ghost face. <laughs> but uh, how did you feel about the CGI in this movie? I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I It kind of bummed me out, the, the CGI. Mostly because, and I think I'm, I think I'm thinking about this because I, ju- I just recently rewatched um, The Last Boy Scout. Uh, because there's a podcast that I enjoy that I was covering it, so I was kind of like, oh, I, you know, it's been a couple of years. And the number of squibs in that movie are fucking unreal. Um, and I kind of miss that, where it's just genuine practical effects. Um, and the practical effects in Scream 5 are pretty good, but I don't, listen, I don't care for the CGI knife. Yeah, it's it's something that I've seen. Um, I saw it first in The Walking Dead, and it's because, like, with television, I expect the lower budget. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, Paramount plus ass scream. Like, they they can afford the the real thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you can't do it here, you know. I, I did, that did bum me out, but I think that the direction was good enough that, like, I, 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 again, not to continually shit on Scream 4, but fuck it. Uh, the CGI knives in that were way worse to me. Um, but I think that might be because, I mean, you know, the interceding, like, decade plus, I'm, I'm sure they've sort of refined their CGI knife technique. But also, um, the lighting in Scream 4 just, I mean, think of any movie made in, like, 2011 and that's what it looked like. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, I, it, it bummed me out, but I feel like it was shot in such a way that I was, it, it wasn't super, super distracting, which I appreciated. Um now, yeah, Sheriff Judy getting just murdered in broad daylight. Uh, I think that might actually be the most gruesome death in this movie, maybe? Yeah, I would agree that it's it's probably the most brutal death in it. Uh, so let's talk about one of my favorite scenes. It's Mimi blazed on the couch watching the original stab and mimicking the exact same position as the guy in the movie and having on screen Ghostface approaching the dude while she's watching Ghostface approach her with the same uh, body posture. It's so good. It's I, I love it because it's like to me, if you're going to do a requel, um, I, this is what I this is what I fucking want, right? Like, first of all, uh, it's that verisimilitude that I appreciate. This is the actual exact same fucking house from the original Scream movie that they're that they're shooting this in. Um, and so, yeah, having having the like mirror looking at a mirror thing of like her yelling at Randy, who is yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, it's it's honestly fucking great. I also love there's this movie is 100 percent gayer than uh, the other four Scream films. Oh, um, it, it is so gay. It literally wears it on its sleeve. Mindy has a gay pride pin on her t-shirt. Yeah, and there's like there's gay tension between characters. Like one of them explicitly says, I'm gonna like I'm I'm totally gonna bang her later. Um it's it's just fucking great. Uh the other thing about this movie that I love is that okay, Quincy, I have a favorite horror trope, and it is serial murder is hereditary. 
Because <laughs> um, Billy Loomis's daughter, Sam, uh, you know, he appears to her as uh, a ghost to be like, ah, see, you got my blood in your veins, and that means that you're also going to become a killer. And so she's got to deal with this. Um, I also just watched uh, Dexter uh, New Blood, which I, 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 I pieced out on uh, Dexter back in the day because I saw one episode and went, uh, I'm good, and then never watched anything else because it was bad. Um, Dexter New Blood is also very bad, but I enjoyed it a lot, and they totally explore the like, oh man, you better hope your dad's not a serial killer, because that's definitely getting passed down through bloodlines. <laughs> um, and I think this movie kind of plays around with that with Sam, where it's like, oh no, is she going to, you know, this is her birthright, like, is she going to fall back on that? Yeah, the knife is family. The the buck <laughs> knife is family. <laughs> God, it's just incredible. Um, now... The fact that all of this is filmed in the same house as the original Scream, they totally, you know, they need to do iconic locations in this thing. Like, they've got bits in the basement, they've got bits in the kitchen, where, you know, the third act of the original happened. Um, I don't want to reveal who the killers are on this episode. But I do want to talk about how they were radicalized by Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Okay, please. Let's, what was the deal with this? So it is revealed that the killers are trying to revive murder to make Woodsboro, like put Woodsboro back on the map and have Scream 9, Stab 9, be a reboot of the <laughs> franchise. So like they're like... Stab one was so good because it was inspired by actual murders. We got to make the new stab good again by murdering people. Yeah, and, and which I love because I, you know, I found myself kind of wondering, like, okay, so now, and this is me being mean to a horror franchise that I love and you know adore with my whole heart. These movies aren't actually that good at meta commentary on horror movies. Not at all. Uh, even even a little bit. Like, mostly, so much of these movies, like, they're just fun, great slasher movies, but mostly when they actually do get kind of precious and try to comment on horror as a genre, that's how you get Scream 4, um, where you get, you know, Emma Roberts yelling about how I'm going to go viral for being the new the new Sidney Prescott. Um, and then this movie, the fact that they're like, oh no, like, radical, <laughs> radicalized by Reddit, by the way. Um, one of the characters actually says, like, how can fandom be toxic? <laughs> Which, I'll allow Which, it. Right. Man, it, it can be really toxic, my guy. You know? Um, and I love that idea that, like, oh, if they want to make their own reboot cool in this movie that is a reboot cool in the tradition of Halloween 2018, that they gotta, you know, they gotta make it happen themselves. And actually, one of the killers, while killing Dewey, one of the, one of the core three, actually says in the Ghostface voice, it's an honor while killing him because this that's the mythology like this is the movie which and i have to say this i hate i hate that they killed dewey because i love dewey riley and he's a precious baby angle they absolutely had to kill one of the core three. Oh yeah the the stakes had to be raised and yeah and like this if if, if one of the core three didn't die that this movie wouldn't have I mean it? It was it, it would have been good without that, but I appreciate that it actually does have stakes. And so, um, you know, they they find out who the killers are, and uh, which, by the way, one of somebody gets shot dead in a in, in a surprise scene, which I appreciate. 
Oh yeah, it was very good. Um, but yeah, uh, so how should we? Hmm. Should well, I mean, it probably won't be surprising to audiences to find out that actually some of the characters that are not the killers do live, and the killers don't get away with it. Um, but there is a scene in this that I'm crazy about, which is one of the killers is like to um Gail and said like you need to pass the torch. And then they're, they get lit on fire. At, oh, yeah, it's so good. During the fire, and Gail's like, how's that for passing the fucking torch? It's just, uh, it's out, it's outstanding. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, Randy Meeks's uh, niece and nephew are okay, and Gail and Sid are okay, and they, basically, Gail who at this point in her career does want to like, oh man, I need another hit. If I could just do another, uh, if I could get another hit, like the, the Woodsboro murders, um, you know, and then she basically in, I think the biggest bit of character development for herself throughout the franchise decides that actually she's not going to capitalize on these killings and she's going to do it. She's going to write a tribute to Dewey instead. Yeah. So where do you want to put this on our list? Ooh, man. That's actually ooh. Okay, so this is this is tough. Was there anything was there anything about the movie that didn't work for you or that kind of stuck in your craw a little bit? No, it actually was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um I had a good time. It's not as super elevated and smart as it thinks it is. Sure. But oh, none of them are. Yeah, but but none of them are. So so like it's a lot of fun. So Scream Two is all the way up at number seventy three on our list. Yeah, it is. Now Scream Two, which a lot of that movie to me doesn't necessarily work, but that's also because um the script got leaked while they were filming it, and so to scuttle people's expectations, they hastily rewrote like most of the third act of the movie. Um so that's not necessarily the movie's fault, but it definitely does you know, make the movie, the movie worse. I, I, it grieves me to say this. I think Scream 5 might be better. That puts it really high on the list, but I think you might be right. Man, and actually looking at it, I don't, mm, looking at the list, I mean, Starship Troopers is at number 86. I don't know that Scream 5 is better than Starship Troopers. Yeah, you're right. I don't think that it is. Now, at 88, though, is MFA, and I do think Ooh. that Scream 5 and MFA are in the same neck of the woods. I totally agree. And so is this because you're sort of like modern take on horror that deconstructs the genre and does something actually interesting with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the question, though, is does the franchise baggage for lack of a better word outweigh an original screenplay that's that's tough for me because i kept i i mean i don't know yeah some would say legacy i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with baggage (laughs) yeah it is baggage because you i i don't think somebody could watch scream five and i I mean i don't know i don't want to speak for anybody but i a person watching scream five without having watched any of the other scream movies i wonder how much fun they would actually have with that yeah because it is very reliant on the original cast for a quote uh requel yeah and actually i don't know which i mean so actually this this produces an interesting question uh so friday the 13th as a franchise um 
none of those movies really have any connective tissue at all with any of the other ones, really. Um, you can pretty much jump in anywhere on one of those movies, and it's like, oh, asshole with a knife chases people and kills them? All right, proceed. Um, where with Scream, I mean, and a lot of franchises especially, like, you really do need to know your onions going into a sequel to really know what's going on. Yeah. I wonder, is that a good thing or a bad thing or a neutral thing? Well, you know, in comics, Stan Lee would always say, like, any issue could be a reader's first issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, like, people will talk to us about this podcast and say, like, well, I don't know where to start. And I'm like, mm-hmm. please do not start at the first episode and listen in <laughs> order. It is untenable to do uh-huh. so. Oh, we, yeah. No, we were we were recording that with um, styrofoam cups and a wire uh, yelling at each other over, a, <laughs> over like, a Nokia brick phone. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I do kind of hold up being able to jump in anywhere as a virtue, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I love the John Wick movies, and John Wick 3 Parabellum is like a great fucking movie that would be enjoyable to pretty much anybody, but probably it's not as satisfying if you don't know the full context. Yeah, I would agree that um, that that really does kind of undo that because the John Wick movies are all just like one movie. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it's yeah. I I feel like I want to actually give the edge to MFA. Okay. On that count. And I think for me, it's entirely because with MFA, it was more of a riff on the, like, the rape-revenge film, like, genre in a way that kind of made it into another thing, where Scream 5 is a, an albeit very, very well done and enjoyable and good riff, but it's a riff on its own mythology, and it's kind of Snake Eats Tail in, in some ways. Uh, and I kind of want to give the edge to MFA for kind of doing its own thing and making its own point. Yeah. Now at number ninety-seven is Wes Craven's Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh shit! It's better than Shocker. It's way better than Shocker. <laughs> uh, I love Shocker. That movie is entertaining as hell, and Scream Five is definitely better than Shocker. What do you think? Oh, I think you're right. Now. At number 94, we have Return of the Living Dead, um, and I feel like I want to give the edge to Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I think for our Friday night test, mm-hmm. uh, Return of the Living Dead is the perennial party movie. Oh, completely. And also because, I mean, again, like we said, like Return of the Living Dead, I mean, not that a horror movie obviously has to have yucks in it, but... Uh, not a lot of jokes in Scream 5. Like, in a, in a series that's known for its sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, quippy Kevin Williamson dialogue, it's a thing that I both appreciate and a thing that maybe makes it less of a Friday Night Watch for me is that Scream 5 is just brass tacks, no jokes, straight ahead. And yeah, it's it's almost like it's trying to say, like, we're not your your dad's Scream movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. The grim, dark, gritty reboot. You're totally right. Yeah, like this is, and maybe it was trying to undo the damage from Scream Three, which would be fair. Uh, so I feel like <laughs> I want to give the edge to Return of the Living Dead, but right underneath that, um, at number ninety-five, is John Carpenter's They Live. I gotta give the edge to Scream. It's, it's a controversial decision, but I respect it. Yeah, I mean, like I love They Live, but 
to me, I think I, the third act of that movie kind of, I always check out, honestly, right after the Keith David fist fight that lasts five minutes, I, yes. <laughs> I kind of check out, I'm going to be honest. Well, it's exhausting. So there's a reason for that. Do you ever, like, imagine our listeners throwing their phones across the room? Oh, absolutely. Which, I, as I said, I think Scream 5 is better than they live. I almost just gave myself a swirly. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, for what the movie is setting out to do and how well it does that, I appreciate that they live is just John Carpenter, f- forgive the expression, fully mask off, like... I need to talk about fucking Reagan and Reagan's America and this entire goddamn decade with They Live um, in a way that I think it's a, it's a shotgun blast that hits a lot of the targets, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And I think Scream 5 kind of, I, I feel like it nails the thing it, it's trying to nail a little better than They Live, nails all of the many, many things it's trying to nail. Yeah, I think like it's it's laser precision on like toxic fandom is a mm-hmm. much better comment commentary than um carpenter's reagan am i right yeah and and in fairness to carpenter yeah fuck that guy but <laughs> i mean like that's a great movie but i my, my other problem and actually not to be like me i don't want to beat up on my boy john carpenter but what the fuck does he care he's john carpenter i i think a thing that bugs me about they live also is that I, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who obviously I, you know, he's great, but at a certain point in that movie, he kind of just is doing Rowdy Roddy Piper the wrestler instead of the character he's meant to be playing. Yeah, it, it, he's not the greatest actor in the world. Yeah. yeah, and you know, he does what he does really well, but yeah, I feel like that part of it doesn't hang together where, again, with this movie, I mean, Nev Campbell deserves some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award, I think. Like, yeah, I think you're right. She's my favorite final girl. Uh, but yeah, so I feel good about uh, our new uh, number 95, uh, Under Return of the Living Dead and Above They Live, is uh, Scream from 2022. Um, and also, uh, I got to point out that that is out of... Wait, sorry, hold on. And I got to point out, that is now out of 551 movies we have now... Uh, done on this podcast oofa uh, doofa you know this is the life we've chosen and and guys if you want to watch uh, Scream 5 um, you're going to want to check out uh, Paramount Plus side note here um, I'm really really glad Quincy the, the first time that I watched uh, or tried to watch Scream uh, 2022 was before it was out on streaming and was only in theaters uh, out of spite because I was annoyed that it wasn't on streaming and I didn't want to like risk COVID by going out to a theater um, I found a jank bootlegged uh, copy that somebody had just filmed in a theater and was like watching it while like trying to take a bath or something. And I got 20 minutes in and was like, God, this is horseshit. I can't even, I don't even want to watch this. And then I stopped it because I was like, wait a minute. My my father, my beautiful father, David Lynch, would be so disappointed in me <laughs> for like watching it on their fucking iPhone where I'm like, you know what? Actually, I'm not being fair to this movie because I'm not you know, taking in the sound design. I'm not actually watching the thing the way it's meant to be shown. I'm going to, you know, I've got people talking in the background. I'm going to wait to watch this in its actual format. And I'm really fucking glad I did because I really, really like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about like, if you make quality media, uh, people will uh, get it. Yeah. And then there's Halloween Kills. 
uh, which, <laughs> <laughs> which does it it does not do that. Um, Speaking of Halloween kills, let's talk about where people can find us on the internet. Uh, we have a Discord. <laughs> yeah, where we, do. we where the conversation on Halloween kills continues. <laughs> Yeah, we just, listen, we cannot stop beating up on that movie because it is so, so bad. Um, but yeah, we've got a Discord. Guys, we are on uh, Letterboxd. Uh, we're on Twitter where we are uh, always tweeting about some horror movies. Um, if you, listen, we also love doing listener requests and we got a bunch to get through. Um, we can't do it on this episode. Um, if you have a movie that you want us to talk about uh, specifically uh, on this podcast, you're going to want to send that to rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um and yeah, guys, uh, if you uh, enjoy the podcast, um, you know, consider throwing us a five-star review over on Apple uh, Podcasts. It, we we uh, appreciate it enormously. Um, but yeah, uh, barring that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks. Later.